Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. Talking about him that overcometh. Will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I overcame and sat down with my Father in his throne? There's a difference between the adopted sons of God and the only begotten Son of God, who is God manifest in the flesh. Revelation 3.21 Now those that are counted worthy of the kingdom of God have to go higher than just newborn babes or little children. The first step in the glory is that of a newborn babe born of the water and the spirit. We find that in John 3. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus, who was old, said, How is a man that is old enter the second time into his mother's womb? It seemed impossible. Jesus said, That which is flesh is flesh, that which is spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, You must be born again. For except a man be born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Well, born of the water, water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Born of the spirit, that is being filled with the Holy Ghost. Now that's a newborn baby. But then we have to grow up. We're going from glory to glory, from faith to faith. And that's through obedience. The Holy Ghost is given to them that obey him. And our Father, Lord Jesus in heaven, is glorified thereby by the good works that we do. And then the next step from newborn babes is that of little children. What is the difference? They have known the Father. I write unto you, little children. Because you've known the Father. Of course, their sins are forgiven for his name's sake, 1 John 2, 12-14. But they have a step higher in glory. They have a higher revelation. And they've known the Father. Jesus said, if you'd known me, you should have known my Father also. Because he is the Father revealed in a body of flesh and blood. We're going to focus on today on the overcomer. That specifically is in Revelation, the second and the third chapter. The overcomer, that those are called by John in his epistle, 1 John 2, 12-14, young men. I write unto you, young men, because the word of God is strong in you, and you've overcome the wicked one. They're overcomers, and they do it through the word of God, and they do the will of God. Not all that say unto Jesus, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Only those that do the will of God. So now it behooves us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God that worketh in us both the willing to do of his good pleasure. That specific will that we have to do is a calling of God. And we must abide in the calling wherein we are called. Not all are called to be apostles or prophets or teachers or workers of miracles, etc., Governments helps. But whatever call that you are called in, the quest for your life and mine as well is to find the calling that we are called for and do it through the will of God. Not our own will, not just go to church somewhere and pay tithes and ask Jesus to come into our heart or being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins and receiving the gifts of the Holy Ghost. We have to go on. And that we finally come to young men. That is, the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. It's the inward man that we're talking about. 
It's not intellectual knowledge. It is faith that's held in the intuition in the spirit of man. And that is where you are one with the spirit of God. For he that's joined to the Lord is one spirit. That is the spirit of Jesus, Christ in you, the hope of glory, in your human spirit, baptized with the Holy Ghost and that with fire. That now feeds into your will, your mind, will, emotions, imagination, your intellect. There through, not through the flow of the flesh, but now through the flow of the Spirit because you're born again. But we have to obey that. We have to obey that calling of God. We have to obey, obey uh, in obedience to the Holy Ghost to do the will of God. Now, these young men have done the will of God. They've overcome the wicked one. And the word of God is strong in them, and it's done it by the word of God. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. It's not just enough to know and have an intellectual understanding of the word of God. But we have to be tried, and that by fire, that the word of God then becomes uh, literally tempered. Tempered fire in our spirit. That where That is when the word of God is in your bones. It's one thing, one thing to have an intellectual knowledge. God gives you a revelation. But then we go into temptations that we count it all a joy. Though our faith be tried as by fire. Why would God try the faith? And that by fire. Putting it through the fire. Tribulation worketh patience. Patience worketh experience. Experience worketh hope. Oh, make it not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Why the fire? Because it is in the fire that your faith will come forth as pure gold. That to the glory of God. Though it's not just where faith is held in the intellect. It must be in the heart. With the heart man believeth. And that's in the spirit of the believer. The human spirit there in obedience to the Spirit of God, being one in union with the Holy Ghost. Your conscience bearing you witness in the Holy Ghost. Conscience is not in the intellect. It's in the spirit of the believer, the human spirit. And there, in that human spirit, we have intuition. These things that we have learned, not with the intellect, but with the Spirit of God held in the intuition. That can only be done as we go through the fiery trial. Many have erred thinking that, well, I have an intellectual knowledge. I'm ready for the pulpit. And they've never been through the fire. They're novices. And by doing that, goes out and grab a pulpit or try to build a church. And a novice fall into condemnation of the devil, being lifted up and fried. And that being the cause that's never been tried as by fire. You have to have experience, experience in the Holy Ghost to have your senses exercised thereby through the fiery trials you've gone through. If you haven't gone through anything, you haven't been first partaker of the fruit. In other words, if you say God heals, have you been healed? Do you know firsthand what God is and does and you've experienced it? You must be first partaker of the fruit. And he that strives for the mastery must be temperate, self-controlled in all things. Not partial things, not partial truth, but all things. But whatsoever you preach, you must firsthand have had the, 
a spiritual experience in it through a fiery trial. Now, that fiery trial is not to destroy you. The fiery trial, make it not strange, the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Why? That the glory of God resteth upon your head. The only way to get that glory is not through intellectual study of the word, but certainly we have to rightly divide the word of truth, a workman that needs not to be ashamed there before God. But we know that we're going to go through the fiery trial, which will make that tempered mortar, not untempered mortar, it's been through the fire. Then it becomes in your bones. In other words, in your belly. It's in your spirit of that person that automatically the Holy Ghost will bring to your remembrance those things as you go into different trials and tribulations, persecutions, or whatever the case may be. That is through experience only, not through just reading the word, but obeying God as you do the will of God in your life, then you're going to meet persecution. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You're going to have it. But when you do, you count it all a joy when they rail upon you, speak false things about you. They'll be false brethren. They'll be liars and cheats and lie upon you. And when they do, count it all a joy. And when you follow these diverse temptations, your faith will come forth as pure gold. Leap for joy, for great is your reward in heaven. Because you've done these things for Christ. Don't worry about what other people say or think. They'll try to destroy you, plaster your name all over, destroying you and your character through everyone that they come in contact with. Let it fall by the wayside. Go to please God and God alone, the Lord Jesus. Then you will have rejoicing in him alone. And that will be tempered mortar. Many build that wall of salvation with untempered mortar. That wall will fall. And therefore, you come to that point of young men, not, not newborn babes, that desire the sincere milk of the words you may grow thereby, and not just revelation that he is the father of glory. That's wonderful. But then you grow up. You've been tested, gone through the fire. You're young men. The word of God is strong in you, and you become an overcomer. You've overcome the world, the devil, and your own flesh, bringing it into subjection. Less while you preach to others, uh, there you become a castaway, just as Paul stated. We have to live this thing in obedience unto righteousness, which will yield the peaceful fruits of holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. For these young men, we specifically state how do we get there in uh, Paul stating to us in Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but you be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for you is. You work out your own salvation <clears throat> with fear and trembling, knowing that it's God that worketh in you, both the will and the do of his good pleasure. And Jesus states that to every man. If any man will come after me, Jesus said, let him first deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. In other words, you're not going to do your will anymore. You will do the will of God. 
There's different ministrations, different ministries, but the same spirit and the body, though at many, many, many different diversities of the various different callings, but it's only one spirit, different ministrations, but one spirit. And it's all the Lord Jesus Christ. And he compacts that body. These members in particular have whichever joint supplies to the edifying of itself in love. As we take a look at the doing the will of God, being an overcomer in Revelation, the second and third chapter, we can see in these seven churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea, we can see that whatever problem we face will be in one of these seven categories. It's to the seven churches to hear the voice of God. Jesus said the time is coming and now is when those that hear the voice of the Son of God shall live. It's progressive voice, the proceeding word of God. And man shall live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We must walk in the present truth, the present light of the word, and the present season that we're in. We're not in Pentecostal season anymore. We're in the tabernacle season with the Feast of Trumpets. God is preparing us for that now. So in the Revelation, the second and the third chapter, we see these particular overcomers and what it takes to be an overcomer. We've already been born of the water and the spirit. We have already been newborn babes. We have repented and been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins, born of the water. You receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, born of the Spirit. And uh, the revelation that knows that Jesus is the Father, Revelation 1.8. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, which is, was, and is to come, the Almighty, the Father of glory, the Almighty God, the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent Spirit. That's Jesus Christ. But now we're going to Revelation 2 and to Revelation 3, the second and third chapter. So as we begin, each of these things we have to watch and be careful that we do not fall into a ditch, the blind leading the blind. We do not follow one of these seducing spirits, these doctrines of devils. And we're going to see there's two different doctrines that's given to us here in Revelation 2. One is Balaam, the heir of Balaam, that doctrine of Balaam. And then the other one is that of Jezebel. And we must make sure that we're following the spirit of God and not a seducing spirit. It is a spirit. It feels, you can feel, and it'll, it will say it will prosper and you'll have uh, flattery and by peace it shall destroy many, but it's not Jesus. Many will go after their pernicious ways. So we need to be circumspect. We have to diligently seek the Lord our God and make sure that we're following the Spirit of God. And he tells us, then through the voice of the Lord in Revelation 2 and Revelation 3. As we begin, I'm reading Revelation 2, verse 1. And to the angel of the church of Ephesus write. Now, we talked about the angelos. That's a, uh, the messenger sent before his face. And we talked about the cherubim of glory, emptying out of themselves the golden oil, not the 22 knops of bowl, with a half egg of beaten olive oil. This is a golden oil from the throne of God. And these are the two sons of oil 
that we speak about in Zechariah 14 and Revelation 11. Now, these will empty out of themselves the golden oil, and we're going to see all through the book of the Revelation. <coughs> through the book of the Revelation, we're going to see that there is a Mahanaam. There's angels carrying out this word. But know at the same time that we are in that double count. It is a time when it will be Jacob's trouble, but he will be delivered out of it. Three and a half years, 1,203 score days, 42 months of a time of great tribulation. And we're not raptured out. But the ones that do know their Lord will be strong and do exploits. They will not be deceived in a pre-tribulation rapture. They will know the work of the ministry and be prepared for it and will be sealed in apocalyptic sealing in Revelation 7 to be able to stand in these last of the last days against these seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, which will be predominant in the last days, just as Paul stated to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the last days some shall depart from the faith. They were in the faith, but they parted from it given heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils. This will be dominant. Most and evil men and seducers will be waxing worse and worse. So it is imperative that we walk in the spirit of God and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And the angels there to these seven churches are the ones that have received this golden oil. Those are the ones that that will, the apostle, the prophets, whatever the case is, that are the, the spearhead, if you will. Now, as this revelation of Christ is given to his holy apostles and prophets, the spearhead to the church, and they will be in one mind and one accord and speak the same things just as it did in the former season of Pentecost. They were in one mind and one accord. Now here, in Revelation 2 and Revelation 3, they will be in one mind and one accord again. But we need to know what things need to be strengthened or what is uh, uh, there that the Lord is going to judge that if we're not careful, he'll remove the candlestick out of its place and we wind up in darkness. So when we take a look at that, the angels to those seven churches are the body of Christ that are and in the spirit of Elijah. Now, if you haven't heard that podcast, be sure and tune in to the podcast on the spirit of Elijah, John in the last days. Now, with that you said, we're going on Revelation 2, verse 1. The angel of the church of Ephesus write, notice that the voice of the Lord is coming to this, this angelos, this messenger. These things saith he, here's a word from the Lord Jesus, the voice of the Lord God. These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand. Now that's the Pleiades. The seven stars are the seven angels, which is not angels, Michael, Gabriel, whatever the case is. It is the messenger sent before his face that he will use to empty out of themselves the golden oil into a big bowl that will have seven pipes going through the seven lamps of the candlestick. Not a half egg of beaten olive oil, but gold and oil, throne room revelation. And those are the seven angels. He holds it in his right hand. 
God is that, a fullness of the ministry of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for perfecting of the saints. He says, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks or the church. Notice what he says. Here we go to the first uh, uh, voice of the Lord that we must obey in order to overcome. I know thy works in every situation, in every other seven churches, uh, Ephesus, Smyrna, Perkins, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. He's the first thing Jesus says as he speaks, I know thy works. These are works that accompany salvation. This is how faith is worked. Faith worketh by love, but that faith is uh, through obedience. We find that in Romans 6, whosoever you yield your members as servants to obey, him are you the servants to whom you obey. Whether of sin unto death, which we're, he's warning us not to do, or of obedience unto righteousness, unto holiness, partaker of his divine nature. So here, he, every church, he's going to say, I know thy works. Let's see, he's looking for perfect works. We see that in, in Sardis, in Revelation 3. I have not found your works perfect. He's looking for perfect works unto the measure of the stature of Jesus Christ himself, a glorious church without spot or blemish. So he says, I know thy works, but where are we short? He's going to tell us. And thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. Well, that sounds like a good testimony so far, but watch it. And he says, that thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. So we know here there will be lying apostles in the last days, sent but not of God, of Baal, prophesying for the abundance of their heart, for hired harlings, for filthy lucre, for money. And we have to be careful what the motive is. Is the person really... Speaking of him that's sinning, then there's no unrighteousness in him. But he that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory. It's from such turn away. And it says, you have borne and have patience. And for my name's sake, the name of Jesus, of whom the whole family of God is named in heaven and in earth. And for the name of Jesus has labored and has not fainted. You haven't quit. You will, you will uh, overcome. Uh, you, if you faint not, you, you will receive this reward. If you faint not, you'll obtain it. Nevertheless, now here's what we need to hear. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against you because thou hast left thy first love. Now that is a serious indictment. Your first love, the first love is what you love above all things. And that is the first commandment. Thou shalt love thy God with all thy with heart, soul, and might, with everything in your being. Mark 12, 29 states that that is above all commandments and to love your neighbors yourself. But to love the Lord thy God first. But you've left your first love. Well, they started out a good race, but what happened? And he's going to say, remember therefore from whence you are fallen. You're fallen from grace. 
You're doing a Hebrew six. You're falling over grace and failed you. You failing of grace. Repent. Repent means have a change of mind. You've got to run a race, but don't stop in the middle of it. You have to run until you obtain the promise and do the first works. The first work, that's obedience. It's not being baptized again. It's not going through, you know, repentance again. And in 1 John 1, 9, say, Lord, it means a change of mind and obedience. Not just using 1 John 1, 9 and say, Lord, I'm sorry, and keep doing the things, same things over and over again. But it means to repent and live it. In obedience unto righteousness, repent. Have a change of heart to obey the Spirit of God. Because he that being often proof, stiff his neck and hardens his heart, should be cut off of that without remedy. We have to listen to the Holy Ghost. We have to do his will. Each one's particular will. Not a general will. We all know that we have to obey the Word of God. But there's an individual specific calling upon your life. That only you can do that God has called you as a believer to do. And that is what God has dealt to every man, the measure of faith, that metron of faith, for you to do that will. Whatever he's called you to do, he's enabled you to do by giving you the faith to do it. That is not general faith. That's the individual faith for you to overcome and do his will in whatever he's called you for. So the quest for life is to find the will of God and to do it. And that's what he's saying here. You've left your first love. You did run well, but who's hindered you? You left that first love. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and might. You've left it. Something else has come uh, uh, before it. And it's mechanical worship. They're doing the same things over. Over and over. They become at ease in Zion. They're not stirred up. It becomes, uh, we go to church, we lift up the Lord God, sing the same songs, do the same thing, same routine, and it becomes where we lose that first love, that having need of a new touch, a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost, of Jesus himself. And that's what had happened here. They had to go in mechanical worship. It wasn't heat and fervent, fervent uh, worship anymore. It wasn't on the front burner, in other words. They left that first love. Other things can creep in of the world. It's a little fox as this full of vine. And that's what's happening here to Ephesus. And he said, repent and do your first works. Put me first in all things. Seek the will of God in everything you do. Or else, he gives a consequence, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick, your candlestick, your light, out of his place, except you repent. Mm. If he removes that candlestick, there's no light. And with Jesus, it's all or nothing. Take heed how you hear. Jesus stated, for the same measure you meet shall be measured to you again. To him that hath shall have the more. You receive the word of God in obedience. You go through the fiery trial, and then it becomes glory to God. But him that hath not, to him it'll be taken away even that which he has. He loses all. He removes the candlestick out. There's no light at all. 
Though with Jesus, it's all or nothing. We have to be very circumspect. We have to be diligent. We have to be pushing, pressing toward that mark. Start up always for the calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, but this thou hast. You have some good things. Notice he's looking for perfection. He says it's a church in Sardis. I have not found your works perfect. He's telling them where you're short, where you're short of perfect works, perfect faith that will overcome. And with overcoming, you become an entrance into the kingdom of heaven. You, this one thing he has, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. The deeds of the Nicolaitans. What were they doing? Well, somebody says, well, that was Nicholas and they were following him. Well, that's true. But it's also Nicolaitan, Nico to rule over Laitans. And what the deed is, is that instead of following the leading of the Holy Ghost and following, letting the uh, pastors, ministers, bishops, elders lead the body of Christ through ensembles, example, that they lord over them, that they delegate the will of God to the congregation. It's Nico to rule over Laitan, the laity they rule over the laity, and they're not doing the will of God. They're doing the will of the pastor. They're doing the will of the elders. They're a very dangerous thing. And they hated that. They wanted to do the will of God. And which that deeds, doing that, literally replacing the Holy Ghost and having their will done throughout that church, they hated that doctrine, the deeds of the Nicolaitans. There's also, we'll see in a minute, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which that doctrine is they have a right to rule over the body of Christ, which Jesus calls it the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Here it's the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Then he says, now he tells them the positive. Do this, overcome, repent. Overcome unto righteousness, unto obedience. And you, here's what he says. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit's saying unto the churches. It's an individual called each individual believer, but it's to all churches. To him that overcometh, he gives you reward simply through obedience. Simply through obedience, here's a reward. Your Issachar, your heart, your buckler, your shield, your, your reward at his coming. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Total restoration. The restitution, restoration of all things. So I'll, I'll give that to you. Then we go to the next level. The very simply, we cannot fall into mechanical worship. You have light. The light without heat will not bring the, the plant forward. You can have a seed planted, but to have that harvest, we need the sunlight. We need that daily light of God upon that seed to grow. It can be watered, but without that light, it will not come to fruition. We'll not have a harvest. And we can plant the seed and do what the case is, but that fervency, that heat, we have that heat there. Uh, we would put a, uh, the heat on there through the heat of the Holy Ghost, and it will bring forth fruit. That's fervency, a fervent. Prayer of a righteous man availeth much, a heated prayer. And that is imperative that we keep that 
fervency, that stirring up of our spirits to follow the Spirit of God. That is the first one. There we go to the second church, Smyrna. To the angel of the church of Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last. There is the voice of the Lord, which was dead and is alive. First thing he says, I know thy works. He's looking for perfect works unto perfection to the measure of the stature of Jesus Christ. Many do not realize that. They think, well, I just uh, asked the Jesus to come in my heart. I've repented, but we haven't gone on, been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, born of the water for the remission of sins. We haven't gone on and got the Holy Ghost. Maybe some have, but many after that do not go on to do the will of God. They do not know that we must come to perfection in doing the will of God. And that's the reason he said, not all saying to me, Lord, Lord, Matthew 7, will be able to enter in. We have to do the will of God for our individual particular calling and abide in that calling and in that calling be called, chosen, and faithful in it. And many are called, few chosen. Why? Because they didn't do the will of God. He said, I know that works. And tribulation and poverty. Now, tribulation is trouble. Tribulation, persecution. Tribulation, worketh patience. It's trouble. It's going to happen. And poverty. Now, many say if you don't have money in the bank, you're not a true believer. God will supply your needs. That's not the case. There's poverty here. The poor you have with you always. Notice that he says, but thou art rich. You're rich in the things of God. A man's life does not consist of the thing which he possesses. It's not how many cars or a house or whatever, your bank account, 401k, investment portfolio, whatever that, that has nothing to do with doing the will of God, being rich in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, even though you're poverty, you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, we have that scripture in Romans 2, 28 and 29. Paul stated it. It said, he is not a Jew that is one outwardly in the circumcision of the flesh. It's not a natural Jew. But he is a Jew that is one inwardly and that circumcision of the heart in the spirit whose praise is not a man but of God. Well, the circumcision of the heart is the difference there. What is a true Jew? A spiritual Jew of the spiritual Israel are the ones not only just repented, but they've had the spiritual circumcision of the heart in the spirit. Many going to church do not have that. They say they are in God, but they are the synagogue of Satan. Why? because they hadn't had the circumcision of the heart in the spirit. How do you get that? You don't get it by asking Jesus to come into your heart. You don't get it by saying the sinner's prayer. There's only one way. And that way is what was given to Peter, who had the keys of the kingdom, and he stated it on the day of Pentecost. They were pricked in their heart. He said, men and brother, what must we do? Peter who's standing up along with the other 11, Matthew there also, said, repent, Acts 2.38. Is that it? No, that's just the first step. 
and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Not Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Father's not a name. Son's not a name. The name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. The name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. That's his name. His everlasting revealed blood name of God. It's not Jehovah. It's not Elohim. It's not the Tetragrammaton. It's Jesus. That's the revealed name of God. Jehovah is salvation. Yahweh is salvation. That is Jesus. Well, they say they are in God, but Jesus said they are the synagogue of Satan. Why? Because they hadn't had the circumcision of the heart. He is a Jew that is one inwardly in that circumcision of the heart. That heart has to be circumcised. Well, how do you get the heart in the spirit circumcised? Circumcised means to cut. And that means to cut off the body of the sins of the flesh. And to do that, we see that in Romans 2, 28 and 29. Paul stated it. Jesus is stating it here uh, to John, to the church of the angel at at, uh, Smyrna. And he states there, that the blasphemy of them, they're blaspheming, which say they are Jews. They say they've had the circumcision of the heart, but they haven't. And Jesus tells them they're the synagogue of Satan. Oh my, where they're sitting in church. They say they are, they're Jews. They've had the spiritual circumcision of the heart, but they haven't. Jesus said they're the synagogue of Satan. What, they, what must they do? Well, they must obey the scriptures. Well, Romans 6, 1 through 4 tells them, What know you not? As many of you were baptized, were baptized into Christ's death. That's a watery grave. Why would you do that? Well, that you become a new creature. But Romans 6, 4 tells us exactly why. That the body of the sins of the flesh might be destroyed. That's the only way you will not be a synagogue of Satan. Mm. Somebody said, well, I didn't know we had to do that. Well, it definitely. These are works that accompany salvation and obedience to be born of the water and spirit. That's fundamental. And they haven't done it. They say they're Jews. And Paul said he's not a Jew that is one outwardly than the circumcision of the flesh, but he is a Jew that is one inwardly. Circumcision of the heart and the spirit whose praise is not a man, but of God. Well, that's Romans 2, 28 and 29. And the only way you have that is what know you not that as many were baptized, were baptized into Christ's death. It's baptism, born of the water. And few understand that. They think baptism is a second work of grace. No. When you see Mark 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. It did not say. He that believeth and is saved shall be baptized. No. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. What within were you baptized? Well, not with the baptism of repentance. That's what happened to the certain brethren that believed, but they did not have the Holy Ghost and did not have Christ, the Spirit in them. And Paul came across these brethren in Acts the 19th chapter, and they had no idea they had not been born again. And Paul asked him, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And they said, sir, 
We don't know whether they be any Holy Ghost. We don't know what you're talking about. Paul said unto them, what were you baptized? Something's wrong here. You must be born of the water. And you certainly don't have the spirit yet. You have none of those that are born again. And those that in my name shall speak with new tongues. You're not speaking with new tongues. And there is a sign of the Holy Ghost and the outward manifestation with speaking in other tongues. Acts 2, 4, you don't have that. So then what were you baptized? And they said under John's baptism, John the Baptist, Apollos, the silver-tongued orator of Alexandria, had been through there. But all he had was repentance. He did not know the more excellent way of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ or the remission of their sins. He didn't know that. He wasn't in the present truth. He did not know that's essential for salvation. Later on, he is shown the more excellent way with Acryl and Priscilla, and they show him baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, and Apollos goes on. But at this time, he did not know it. He had been through their preaching, and they had believed what Apollos had been preaching and were baptized with water under repentance. All they had was repentance. Well, that's what Paul said. Well, John truly did baptize with water under repentance, saying that they should look on him that would come after him. There's more to come. Then he preached to them Jesus Christ. Then after he preached to them Jesus Christ, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. There you go. Born of the water. Paul laid hands on them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. How did they know? Because they spake with other tongues and prophesied. They spake with tongues and prophesied. Now they have the Holy Ghost. Well, that's what happened here. There were some saying they're Jews, but they weren't. They hadn't had the circumcision of the heart in the spirit. They're synagogues of Satan. Oh my, we must obey the word of God. And he goes on. For none, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. The ones that are true, real, the Jews that's had the circumcision of the heart and the spirit, fear none of those things that you're going to go through. Behold, the devil shall cause some of you, cast some of you in prison, cast you into prison that he's selling. The devil's going to cast some of you into prison. You're going to have some tribulation here. Notice what he says, that you may be tried. Why? Your faith will be tried as by fire. All of us will. Some of us go through other things than others do. But there is of a certainty tribulation. Worketh patience. Patience worketh experience. And experience worketh hope. It's for everyone. All will suffer persecution and tribulation, when is, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that we might be accounted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which we suffer, 2 Thessalonians 1. That's the only way your faith grows exceedingly. And the charity, charity of everyone abounds one to another. It's through sufferings. You're not only called to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer with him. If you suffer with him, you'll reign with him. And he's telling them straight up front, some of you shall be cast into prison and you will have tribulation 10 days. Now, why 10 days? Because... In the Feast of Trumpets, 
its introspection. And you will have 10 days there in the Feast of Trumpets that will be introspection, uh, seeing that Christ is in us, lest we be reprobate. And uh, it's the 10 days of all. And during this time, we examine ourselves, lest we be reprobate, making sure that Christ is in us and we're leading and being, I mean, being led of the Holy Ghost. We must be led of the Holy Ghost under righteousness. And this 10 days is the trial for introspection as our faith will be tried as by fire that it can come forth as pure gold to the glory of God. And he's warning him, this will happen. Be thou faithful unto death. You may seal your testimony with your own blood, but be of good cheer. He's overcome the world. You will raid and you will have that mortar's crown. That is the patience and faith of the saint. He that leads into captivity will go into captivity. They cast you into prison. There, God said, I'm going to cast them in prison. They killed with a sword. They will be killed with a sword. They killed you with a sword. God said, I'll kill them with a sword. Here is the faith and patience of the saints. So we know that we will be called on as witnesses, mortars, sealing our testimony with our own blood. This will happen in the last days. He said, be thou faithful unto death. I'll give you a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Then he gives you the promise. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Now, the second death is that second death being cast into the lake of fire, Gehenna. Not to Taurus, Gehenna. The fire that burneth forever, where the worm dieth not, and the fire's never quenched. That's eternal hell fire and damnation. And he says, you will not be hurt of that second death. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. He's telling them, you be faithful unto death and I'll give you a crown of life. You're going to be tried. You're going to be thrown into prison for 10 days during that time of uh, that Feast of Trumpets, time, times and a half, three and a half years, 42 months of the Great Tribulation. And some will be uh, literally uh, cast there and die, being faithful unto death, sealing their testimony with their own blood. He said, I'll give you a crown of life. You won't be hurt of that second death. You will be in that first resurrection. Now we've covered two of the first churches. So we must make sure that we are stirred in Ephesus, that we are on fire for God, effectual, fervent for the Lord God in obedience to the Holy Ghost and not leaving our first love and not mechanical worship, just going through the motions going to church because it's expected of us. That's Ephesus. Or we go to Smyrna, saying they're Jews and are not. They have not been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They have not understood that baptism is essential for salvation in the circumcision of the heart, in the spirit. That's the only way you can believe with the heart. 
Romans 10, 9 through 13. Confession is made with the mouth. The mouth makes confession. But with the heart, man believeth. That's your spirit, not your intellect. Not asking Jesus to come into your heart. You must be Jews. Romans 2, 28 and 29. Circumcision of the heart in the spirit. You get that spirit circumcised, your human spirit. And you can do that simply by baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. You see that in Colossians 2, verse 10 through 12. You're complete in him, have need of nothing else, in whom you're circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. What circumcision? Your heart, your spirit. That the body of the sins of the flesh might be destroyed. How? By baptism. Colossians 2, 12. By baptism. Through faith. Somebody said, that's not faith. Yes, it is. Through faith in the operation of God that raised him from the dead. Through faith in God, through that operation. What operation? He takes a spiritual scalpel and through baptism, water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, and cuts off the body of the sins of the flesh off of your spirit, in your heart. You believe with the heart now. Now you are a Jew, spiritual Jew, one inwardly with a circumcision of the heart in the spirit. Colossians 2.12. And you have that faith in that spiritual operation of God. When he raised Jesus from the dead, he gives you that, what? Your heart circumcised. Your conscience purged from dead works to serve the living God. How? By water. 1 Peter 3 tells us the same thing. In the long-suffering of God in the days of Noah, wherein eight souls were saved by water. The like figure. Baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, not just taking a bath, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. Conscience is in the spirit, in the heart of man, not in the intellect, not in the mind. Nothing to do with asking Jesus to come into your heart. You have to believe with the heart. That can only be done by baptism, and that is not Father, Son, Holy Ghost. You've got to take on the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Matthew stated that in Matthew 28, 19. Go again in all the world, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, that one singular name. And lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. Well, Peter knew what the name was. The name's revealed. The name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. So he had the keys of the kingdom. He said, uh, when they were pricked in the heart, Acts 2, 37, what shall we do? What must we do? Well, you're going to be a Jew now. You're not going to be a synagogue of Satan. You're going to have the spiritual circumcision of the heart in the spirit. Repent, first step, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ which is the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of your sin. For. There's no other way to have your heart circumcised to believe with the heart. Born of the water. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Born of the Spirit. Now, you are a Jew. You can say you're a Jew. You're a special Jew. Because yeah, now he is a Jew that is one inwardly 
circumcision of the heart. You believe with the heart in the spirit whose praise is not a man, but of God. Romans 2, 28 and 29. You will not fall in that category of a synagogue of Satan that he talked to the church at Smyrna. Be careful. Make sure that you have had the spiritual circumcision of the heart. You'll see that all the way through. No one was ever baptized, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Acts 2, 38. What's the name they use? Acts 4, 12. No other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, Jesus. Acts 8, 16. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts 10, baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts 19, baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, Saul turned, Saul of Tarsus turned Paul. What did he do? He'd seen the Lord on the Damascus Road. What is your name, Lord? I'm Jesus. He's seen God. He knows the name Jesus. He's called to preach the gospel, and he's healed of his blindness. Acts 22 tells us. Ananias says, Brother Saul, you've been healed. You've seen God. You know the name. You've had the revelation of the name of God. But now, why tarryest thou? Arise and be baptized, washing away your sins, calling upon the name of the Lord. Paul was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, now we covered two of the works of an overcomer in Revelation, the second chapter. Tune into the next podcast as we go on to the other five. Well, if this is uh, uh, then an acknowledgement to your spirit, the spirit itself, Holy Ghost bears witness with your spirit, contact us. We'd like to hear from you, become one with you. Know them that labor uh, amongst us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, write to me, Dennis Beard, Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. Or you can visit us on the website, write messages, shoot a question, that's wonderful, fine. And that is sealinggodspeople.org, sealinggodspeople.com, or dennisbeard.org. We thank you for your prayerful support and your generous offerings, whereby we can keep these podcasts coming to you over the air. Until the next one, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold the real Jesus.